Braxton kind of wanted to pick up the energy a little bit more. Is that kind of kind of chasing after the ball a little bit and got into it with Cam? Was that just kind of trying to get the energy up? I was just doing what I do, uh, and he didn't like that, so you know he got what he got. There's what it is. Max Crosby saying what he had to say. Cam Akers of the Rams. Somebody asked him what it was I got. Anybody with eyes saw what happened. A little fighting after the fact regarding how the fight went between the Raider and the Ram. It's joint practice time in the NFL, and we will see these skirmishes, Christopher, break out from time to time. We will try not to fight today. Fortunately, I don't have to deal with you in person and that giant meat hook that you apply to my leg. There wouldn't be much of a fight between us because you are much larger and younger. And good morning to (laughs) you you. and everybody else out there watching the show or listening today. Yep. Good morning to everybody. And uh, it's it's that like it's that time right now where, you know, we've joked about it before in training camp and stuff like that, where it's getting old. Right. It's getting old to players. So I'm not shocked to see this week be the week of. Man, it seems like there's a fight or two every day at practice, right? It's just you're at the point now as a player where you're physically worn out, right? You can't wait for, you know, a little reprieve from the preseason training camp, a little to get your body to recover. You still haven't been at home or in a normal routine yet, right? And it's all just coming to a head here at the end of training camp where, you know, it's just it's frustration and people wanting it to be over more than anything right now. I still have a broader concern as it relates to joint practices. That I there has you. to be a level of trust yeah. and there has to be control over your players to prevent what we saw yesterday between the Raiders and the Rams. And last year it was Aaron Donald swinging the helmet right. violently of a Cincinnati Bengals player, fortunately hitting someone else with a helmet on instead of someone without a helmet on because that could have been a serious injury last year when this happened between Aaron Donald and someone from the Bengals. This is yesterday, Cam Akers and Max Crosby. You just have to control your guys. And I wonder how much of it from the coach's perspective is accepted because, as D'Amico Ryan said earlier this week, finally. We want to see some of that. We're willing to accept the possibility that somebody's going to get injured because the greater good is served by this emotion bubbling to the surface like crude in the backyard of Jed Clampett. We finally, yeah, you're going to risk, you're going to risk hitting a varmint when you fire that shot, but you may, you may just hit a spot that pops up a little bubbling crude that helps your, it's a very dated reference, by the way, but <laughs> yes, it, it helps is. your team's interests. We'll trade an injury to one of 90 if it means elevating our overall mood and our overall tenacity to a higher level. Does that make any sense? Is that why they keep doing it? Because I wouldn't do, after the past year or two, I sure as hell wouldn't do joint practices with the Rams because Sean McVay can't control his guys. That would be my takeaway. Well, I I hear you there. I mean, we we, we had one before that even, right? Was it them and the Raiders that the melee broke out into the sidelines of a training camp practice or was it them and the Cowboys, right? Cowboys. You know. Cowboys. Hey. Years ago. Yeah, right. So, uh, I I mean, I I hear what you're saying there in a lot of ways and a lot of coaches, yeah, they want their players to be chippy and push the limit now they don't want like a full melee fight to break out and get it to the point where 
you know, it, it is somebody getting hurt. There's a hand broken. There's a shoulder separated or whatever like that. They don't want that. But, yeah, there's a fine line, Mike. If things are too quiet and calm at practice this time of the year, yeah, most coaches don't really like that. When they see a little scuffle and a little bit of a skirmish, I, I, it it brings – it brings a smile to a lot of coaches' faces, you know, a little side smile, a little devilish smile, right? I mean, I can remember seeing that on John Gruden, on Jeff Fisher, right? When, hey, you know, practice was a little dull and something like that happened. And, you know, there was a little like, yeah, okay, now we're awake. Let's go. And, uh, you know, that that's the old school mentality of football. But, yeah, you don't want to cross, want it to cross over. And, yeah, it does seem like there's more – fights breaking out between teams in these joint practices this year than, than maybe other years that we've seen. I'll give you an example. I remember this like it was happening right now. My son had football practice when he was in the eighth grade and they were doing some drill and his friend did something that got him pissed off. So he got very aggressive and he hit him in a way that he probably shouldn't have. And the coach was like, Oh, you can't. Oh, oh, oh yeah, exactly. Oh, hey, right. Hey, you can't. You I'm can't proud do of you, but you oh, can't do that. Oh, <laughs> right. You, you yeah. can't. No, no, you can't do. Yeah, I said that. That will be fine. Uh, yeah, that. And and I remember the reaction. That kind of like this is what we'd like to see, even if it's happening in a way that it should. And I'll tell you exactly how this plays out. Here's the end game. Eventually, eventually, year after year, practice after practice, one of these days. During one of these fights, somebody's really going to get hurt. I think we can assume that if you spin that wheel enough time and guys are throwing helmets around and there's big, strong men in each other's faces and they're punching and they're swinging fists and helmets or whatever, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt. And of course, when that happens, you know what will occur? The NFL will swoop in like they had no idea something like this could transpire. Like, you know, oh, oh, well, we must do something now about this, even though it's been happening for years, possibly, because it may be years from now before somebody really gets hurt at one of these. That's when the NFL comes riding in on the white horse with the big shield and starts punishing people, suspending people, invoking language from the personal conduct policy, such as violent or threatening behavior toward another employee or a third party in any workplace setting requires some sort of discipline. They don't think about that now because nobody's gotten hurt. But I guarantee you, Chris, the moment somebody gets hurt, and I mean really hurt. Yeah, I got you. know, fractured skull because I got hit by a helmet or something like that. That's when the NFL will do something to stop something that they should be stopping now. They don't care about this. They don't they don't they don't care at all about these guys fighting with each other during practice, whether it's player on the same team or player from another team getting into the fight. The league just kind of. Not our concern. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it is a little uh, surprising that way. You know, I, I, they've never gotten involved in training camp and 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 stuff like this in years past. That's not kind of in their DNA or their history. There, I will say because I remember us having this conversation a little last year with the Aaron Donald thing, where hey, it, it, it it's become more of a this is not just practice anymore that nobody sees. These, these are joint practices that are spectacles, that there are cameras there, there are fans and large, large amounts of fans there, and we've seen some of these fights 
spill into the crowd a little too, right, Mike? I mean, I think we had one in New England a few years ago where, you know, there's been, there's been a few to where that's where I'm always a little surprised that the NFL doesn't have a little bit more of a overall governing rule over these joint practices and how you should act and everything like that. Cause I know it's not a game, but yet it's still something that, Hey, teams are charging for these people to come in to watch training camp. It is on TV. It is still about setting an example for the youth of football and everything like that and doing it the right way. And that's where I could see the NFL at some point finally saying, you know what? We need to get involved here. It just ain't a good look for us. This going down like this all the time. And I know exactly when that'll happen. When a fan gets injured, by one of these fights. That's exactly when it'll happen. Because at that point, somebody is going to be writing some big checks. Because when you charge someone money to come into your place of business and spectate, you have an extra duty to them than just somebody who'd be wandering by your front yard. You have a duty of care. You have a duty to take care. You have a duty to protect those individuals. If someone would get seriously injured, or injured at all, in a fight that spills over into the fans, and I remember the the fight that you were referring to earlier between the Cowboys and the Raiders or the Cowboys and the Rams, and there was like some very loose snow fencing involved. Right. And fans were right there. Yep. As a former lawyer, I was horrified by it because, you know, beyond what's right and what's wrong, you try to protect your organization against unnecessary liability. And there is no liability more unnecessary than Creating a scenario where you've got men in armor who are large and strong in a position where they are fighting with each other and it spills over into the paying crowd that has come to watch this. And on game day, there's a more natural barrier at a football game, not necessarily at a basketball game as we saw in November of 2004, but it doesn't happen where it spills over into the crowd in a stadium. Right. It right. almost has a couple of times, but at a training camp practice, it can very easily. easily. So if it ever does and somebody gets injured, that's when everybody's going to have to write checks. And that's when the NFL is going to get pulled into this for not doing anything. The NFL, as we've said time and again, reactive, not proactive. There will be potential problems out there hiding in plain sight for years, if not decades, and they won't do a damn thing about it until it becomes something that they say, Maybe we should do something about that. Yeah, maybe you should have done something about it before somebody gets hurt, before it creates an event where you got to start writing big checks to people. It's amazing to me. It is one hell of a way to run a business, but it just shows you how strong that business is, that it can be run in that fashion and still thrive. That it can be run almost like a Mr. Magoo enterprise where you're blind to everything until it hits you right between the eyes and then you do something about it. It, it really is astounding. Well, it is. It is it's amazing we've gone this long. Today. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing we've I gone this said. long without something major happening, really. I mean, it is in, in some ways. It is. But, you know, again, I think the fact that it hasn't happened, I think the fact that, hey, for the most part, you know, through history, teams have done a pretty good job of governing themselves. 
as far as you know training camp fights or not at least not having disasters they've lucky. but they've, they've gotten, gotten lucky. lucky i don't i don't disagree with you there i don't and that's where i mean whether it's a governing rule over these i mean again and it's not always joint practices hey we're going to talk about the cowboys here in a second right too they were practicing against each other they're sick of seeing each other too but but the other thing I come back to with a governing rule or you know the things you're talking about spilling over in the crowd. See, the, there there's no repercussions right now for this for the players, right? And that's really exactly. the biggest thing. What stops them in a game is what? Damn, I got a personal foul. Now it's third and twenty seven. Kicked out, or I'm going to get kicked out of the or game and suspended. lose a game check, or suspended next week. Exactly right. So that is the thing that gets guys in each other's face, but that's what stops it from being full out fight on the field because they go, whoa, hold on a second. I don't want to lose the game. I don't want to ruin my career and all that. There's none of that in training camp. And I think what we're saying is maybe that, that, you know, I I don't want to see players find anymore. I'm so sick of seeing players find or whatever, but at the same time, maybe it has to happen. Chris, it is entirely possible to compartmentalize these two opinions. Number one, Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players of all time. Aaron Donald, every time we've been around him, away from the football field, gracious, funny, Couldn't be friendly better. human being. Right. We like him. Right. We like him. But, but he should have been suspended for what he did last year in the joint practice against the Bengals. We said it last year. Yeah. That's the only way to get it to stop. And when you have a guy who is swinging a helmet so hard that when it strikes another helmet, it flattens like a pancake. Think of the force that he applied with that very powerful body he has as he swung like a windmill, an accelerated windmill, that helmet. That is something that falls squarely under the personal conduct policy if the league wants to do something about it. It's an act of workplace violence. And it is. And it's, there's so many people that are like, oh, it's football. You know, all the people who either never played or would never get involved in any physical altercation at any time unless they have their gun with them, right? The, the, oh, it's football. It's football. Well, it's not football once the whistle blows. It's not football once you remove someone's helmet and start swinging it around. That's not within the rules of the sport. I don't have the rule book in front of me <laughs> right now. But I think that removing someone's helmet and using it as a weapon is frowned upon in the official rules. So it's not football. It's not what anyone signed up for. It's not within the risks that you assume when you go out and play. I remember getting to an argument years ago with another lawyer about potential liability for hockey fights. Like at what point are you no longer submitting to the risks? And there are many risks when you go out onto a hockey rink, whether it's that little rubber missile that's frozen solid or all the sticks and the blades and all the different ways you can get injured. And then some guy beats the crap out of you. Like at what point? Is it beyond the line of what you've assumed? And in hockey, it's a little more difficult because they fight all the time. In the NFL, having you know yourself whacked over the head with a helmet that some 300-pound guy who is the strongest dude around is swinging, that's not what you signed up for. No, so that's no. why they need to intervene that's before. Right. I, I, at 345, come on. I mean, you're capable of spinning a bunch of different plates. If a couple of morons like us can realize this thing that is hiding in plain sight that could cause a lot of problems for everyone, surely you see it too and you can fix it. And it's easy to fix it. Start meeting out discipline for these fights, whether it's joint practices 
or whether it's team within team. Because, no, look, and, and you, you mentioned the Cowboys fights. Yeah. Sam Williams and Brock Hoffman right. got into it yesterday. Right. Also, Michael Parsons and Tyler Beard has got into it. I never can pronounce his name right, but so I just do it fast <laughs> and keep moving. So, we so, uh, so, so yes. So, um, Beatus, Beatus, potato, potato. And Damn. I'm sorry, as Damn. someone whose last name has been butchered over the years. Yeah, but so there's the fight. But you know what? The Cowboys are never going to, they're never going to suspend anybody, no matter how bad he gets. No. At Cowboys training camp. They're never going to take action because they're hurting themselves if they do. That's what the league is for. The league is there to take action that the team will never take against its own players because the team hurts itself by making its best players not available. Yeah, no, no it, it's, it, it is. It's, again, it's a fine line. You know, it, it, Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy, they want a little life and juice, but like they don't want that. Right there. They don't want one of their defense ends getting blindsided by somebody that wasn't actually in the fight there. That That's the other thing, too. And then this is what happens when that happens, right? Because now the defensive line's pissed at the offensive line because they feel like, hey, wait, you cheap-shotted one of our guys. And they're just waiting for their moment again to go, wait, that was a little cheap or whatever, and they're going to get their payback. And that's what, to me, that's, you know, probably what happened. It started the chippiness there to, beforehand, and then... And it filters over to another drill because they're still mad at each other. And you just got to be careful there. That that last one, hey, I you know, again, it's not perfect there, but that, that okay, that's a training camp fight. All right. Boom, boom. Hey, what the hell? They grabbed each other for a second, it got separated. That's fine. You know, the sec the first one, that's the one you worry about where that goes a little crazy, where some guy just comes off the sideline and waylays somebody there, right? That's where they gotta be careful. And I don't know, maybe that got a little too crazy too. I didn't see all of that. But you know, that that's where the, there there is an ethics to how these fights go down and how they should play out. But like, yeah, sixty three coming out of nowhere to crush Sam Williams and he wasn't even involved in it or seeing him. Yeah, that's a low blow. That's that's kind of a BS move, and that's one the coaches and the owner got to talk to him about. And you said something earlier that resonated for me, the idea that the second fight was a byproduct of the first one because now the defensive line is out to get the offensive line. How many times have we heard the league obsess over that concept with taunting? Not even with physical contact. Yeah, we don't right. want taunting because it's then a, later in the game, right. you're going to have somebody looking for payback. And that is an admirable and appropriate concern. We've right. defended the league in that regard. But why does the concern end only when a game is happening? How do you have this massive blind spot, deliberate, conscious? It's not like, I don't know what's there. You know what's going on. You have access to the same footage we do. It's all out there. Why do you not care about that? Why is that okay? And you're going to micromanage the behavior of players during games, but you're going to ignore the behavior of players during practices, whether it's their own team or whether it's multiple teams coming together for joint well, and, sessions. And even, it, it really is astounding to is. me that they don't care. Well, And as you were talking about that, I'm going – you know, well, why is it that we hear about this type of stuff? They're there at the OTAs. Check. When we just talked about it two days ago, they're there at the OTAs to make sure teams are doing things the right way and not getting too crazy and physical. Why isn't there somebody there for the actual practices that are crazy and physical? 
It, it, that yeah, does not make sense to right. me either, right? right? So, you know, we're going to be there for the practice with no pads on and a helmet and tell you if it's too physical. But now it's training camp and it's physical all the time. And Go ahead and beat the shit out of exactly. each other. That, that, we it don't doesn't care. line up exactly uh, in the common sense world there. Sorry, sorry, control room. Uh, but that's the <laughs> attitude. You're right. And that's the thing. We're not saying that, I mean, uh, this isn't some moral position. I mean, it's just... We can't reconcile the way the NFL obsesses over behavior in game, the way the NFLPA obsesses over behavior in OTAs that are non-contact, and this open season mentality during training camp practices. Boys will be boys. Oh, let's just let them go. You know, hey, huh? Just they're just blowing off a little steam. It's okay. It's okay until somebody gets seriously injured, and then they'll say, "Oh, this is unacceptable. This is unacceptable. This can never happen again." Well, it never should have been happening because you can't make it mesh with the way that you police players in games and the way that you police off-season workouts and the way that you police players when they were away from the field. This is the one area. Because I guarantee you, if if one of those guys started swinging a helmet at somebody out on the street, there would be a significant and immediate NFL punishment. This is the one zone of dispensation, for lack of a better term, where you can just go do whatever you want to do. Yeah. And nobody's ever going to do anything about it. Yeah. Unless your team does, and your team's not inclined to, because your coach is like, "Yeah, that's the that's yeah, that's no. what we want to see." Yeah, exactly. You never hear anything about the team ever, unless it's a guy on the bottom of the roster who's doing it too much, right? And then they make him an example, and they cut his ass, and he's gone. Oh, we handled right? it. We handled it internally. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Sean McVay said last year about Aaron Donald. We handled it internally. Yeah, what'd you do? Hey, hey, Aaron. You know, uh, next time, uh, maybe don't swing the helmet quite so hard. Uh, that 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 would be a good thing. Well, I know you. You know, we kind of we spoke out strongly against that, and then we did the week one game, you know, them versus Buffalo. And I remember like being there pregame, going, "Man, I, you know, Aaron Donald listens to stuff. I know he does, and I would not be shocked if he heard us say, yeah, he should be suspended.' And uh, I felt like I, you know, he said hello to me, and we're we're buddies that way. But I felt like he gave me a look, like, "Hey, I I, I heard what you said." All right, uh, so he, he he checked me there. Also, before hey, we move on, hey, hey at least yeah. he didn't hit you with the helmet. <laughs> exactly, and yeah, he was he had the guns out and everything, right? And he is like, it's he's scary looking how muscular he is when he's ready to go. Another thing before we move on, all right? Can you ever picture in an alternate life, right? And guys, if we could pull up Mac Crosby in the interview there once again, and you know, show that. Is there any, like, if Mike Florio was a defensive end in the NFL and you were a badass, right? You're 6'4", 272. Would you ever get tattoos like Max Crosby has? And that, and if you were that type of guy, Wait, just from the neck down and there's no more skin left to see. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mention that because I've had, like, a little gear churning in my head to come back to that because it was jarring to see... No territory on his body below his jawline free from tattoo. And right. I've got I've got two I've got two takes on that. I and I don't know, because I, I kind of am at the point in my life where I don't care if I have a tattoo. Yeah, but, you've been you know, talking about to get a, a tattoo. Yeah, I know. But I kind of would like to get one. <laughs> yeah. I kind of would like to get one. And we've talked from time to time based upon the amount of uh, alcohol consumption about coming up with some family logo that everybody would get. You know, right. yeah, I, I kind of yeah. like that idea. Anyway, pull that back up because I got I got two observations to make. Number one, number one, 
when you run out of real estate, what do you do? Like, there's a point where you have to stop. Because I think what happens is people like getting tattoos. They like that idea. Yeah. It's like collecting things. Right. Oh, I want that. Oh, that ta- that would look good on my on my wrist. And this would look good inside my bicep. And that would look good, you know, right under my knee. At a certain point, you run out of canvas. What do you do at that point? That's it. You got one body to tattoo. I mean, Max Crosby, unless he's going to go Mike Tyson, he's done. He's done. He's got some space on his hand. He could do the George Kittle uh, Hobbs from Calvin and Hobbs, uh, which is an awesome tattoo, full color as well. But but that's my one observation. And here's my other one. Here's why I would not do what Max Crosby has done. When you do that, it's the equivalent of owning one shirt and never being able to change it. Like, that's it for the rest of your life. You got one shirt. You can't. That's it. You're done. It's over. And when you when you have that much going on, whether it's on your arm, whether it's on your chest, or for him all over his body, you're stuck with that for life. And I understand that the folks who choose to do that are happily making that decision. And I know you can get it removed. But just the idea that, you know, even a shirt that I would really, really, really like, I wouldn't want to wear every single day of my life. And that's kind of what that becomes. It's the shirt you wear every day of your life that you can never take off. You yeah. can cover it up with another shirt. But my point, it's permanent. Yeah. It's permanent. Yeah, and permanent is permanent. It, 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 it is. It's, it's a big decision for go, you know, going forward. And, it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I just can't imagine the money – how many hours he sat in a chair to do that? Because that's not just like you know a longhorn like I got on a, on you know my leg or something with my friends or my you know family's initials. I mean that's quick. My longhorn took a while. I can't imagine what a full chest and neck and everything else in the world would take. Uh, I mean that's just that's it is it's unbelievable. I just I'm always in amazement at guys who do that. And yeah, I mean hey, cool. He's Max Crosby. He's the man. He could pull it off. There's no doubt. I'm like you. I do think about like when you're 74 and things are wrinkly and not quite as tight as they used to be. That that, that might look a little weird, but you know, so be it. <laughs> See, so the idea is wait to get your tattoos until things are wrinkly and not as tight as they used to be. So let <laughs> right. that process begin. Let gravity win and then go ahead and paint your body with uh, permanent ink. You know, it reminds me of Hard Knocks. I watched episode two of Hard Knocks. Oh, did you watch episode two of Hard Knocks before uh, we move on? Of course I did. Yes. Will McDonald going in getting piercings. I know, right? Isn't that unbelievable? Just sit there and then just not even flinch when they put a huge damn needle right through your nose, really? That thing what? was gigantic. <laughs> right? I was like, damn, I want to. My eyes were tearing for him because I could just imagine you know how you get like flicked in the nose or something and your eyes tear I was like oh my gosh I'd be full out you know crying because of that but he didn't flinch and uh, yeah that was a cool little little curveball they had in the show last night all in all though what do you give the the second episode well it, we've seen. it wasn't as good as the first it got me one. through my workout it was it was yeah. good though you know I like I, I will stand by that I I think it's one of them, you know, last year was pretty good too. So I don't want to take a credit away from what Detroit and Hard Knocks and, and Dan Campbell did last year. But I still find this, I think, just because of how big of a story it is in the NFL, it's really like the number one story in football. And we're getting to see it kind of unfold a little bit. That's where I think it's really cool. And that that's where, you know, yeah, last night's show was, was good. It wasn't as good as that first one, though. 
Hey, and you know, they did not make any final edits at the end to mention that Dalvin Cook was now a member of the team. Right. I guess that'll happen next Tuesday. Next that one. makes it feel stale. For those of us who follow the sport closely, it's like, hey, you really didn't recap the full week that was for the New York Jets if you didn't get into the the uh, Dalvin Cook thing. And I know we got to move on. That that mentalist, Dr. Yeah. Oz. Oh, that, that was pretty awesome. That was pretty amazing. Oz. Right. Yeah, but there's something Fugazi going on with all that <laughs> stuff. And we know this. We know this. And we know there's a very easy explanation as to how he does it. This guy doesn't have godlike powers. None of these magicians or mentalists do. There's always something. There's sleight of hand. There's suggestion that's made. Like when he had. When he got Rodgers, he's something he yeah, sees Michael in your Carter. eyes. Or, and he sees a reaction, too. I, I, there's got to be something to it. And, and, and I'm not holding it against. Some of these guys can read minds and see. There is people that can see uh, dead people and things like that out there. That's a real thing. Yeah, Haley Joel Osment. That's about it. Hey, <laughs> when he had Michael Carter and he said you can pick any number you want, the way he did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, it planted a very strong suggestion that the next number is 10 because that happened to me as I was watching it. 10. And, and I said, when he, when he, when he told him, pick your jersey number, I knew it was going to be 10 the way that he set it up. So that it's part of it. And, and I think it's a combination of power of suggestion and sleight of hand. Like, I mean, come on. A goldfish in a case didn't materialize in Aaron Rodgers' hands in lieu of a deck of cards. The guy stuck it in there. When he was fishing out, no pun intended, the three of diamonds. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was conspiracy. damn good. Just, Courtney, come hey, on. Just come freaking on, enjoy it and just 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 like but, it for what it is. You, you jerk. You're but, always trying to figure something out over there. <laughs> but you know, we we live in a world where we have a hard enough time getting people to grasp reality. Let's be willing to say that there's a lot of fugazi bullshit going on with this. Dr. Oz, the mentalist. I mean, it's not real. It's a magic trick. And let's accept it. Let's not act like this guy is going to be some transformational figure for multiple NFL teams. And I guess there's going to be more this season where he's gone to these other teams. He's carved out some cottage industry where he's going to go from city to city and fool a bunch of football players into thinking that he can he can get them. <laughs> what, I, I why what are the you getting angry was. about this? Can you tell me why on a I, Thursday morning you're getting angry? I don't <laughs> like You are bullshit. a psycho. You are a psycho. And that whole thing <laughs> is bullshit. You need training camp some bullshit to get you through it every now and then you gotta do it and that was a great i'd rather thing. watch a movie that's a great thing to ease the mind a little bit and i disagree with you i do think there's people out there with these type of powers i do you know, I've seen too many things of like, you know, they're talking to somebody and they're somebody from the past comes out and does all that, let alone I've had some family mem- members experience that. So I do think there's people that have some of those powers. So up yours, Floria. <laughs> okay. Well, fortunately, they'll confine their powers to parlor tricks and whatnot, not like try to take over the government. So if they have those powers, they could be using them in much more nefarious ways than they are by going from town to town with goldfish and and uh, playing cards. All right. Uh, One team that was in the running to be on Hard Knocks and still could be the in-season candidate for Hard Knocks now that the whole ownership thing is settled, the Washington Commanders. Ron Rivera told us at the Super Bowl, QB1, Sam Howell. Said it multiple more times, QB1, Sam Howell. Every once in a while, he wobbles. He got a little wobbly yesterday. Here's Rivera 
from Wednesday on whether or not Sam Howell is the team's starting quarterback for 2023. I got to sit down with, with, with both Eric and Sam, or actually, uh, Eric and DeVita, and really evaluate it and, and make sure, you know, he's doing the things that we need him to do. And, and, and yesterday he had a really good day. We're really pleased with it uh, after having watched the tape. And we'll see how it is after we get a chance to watch this tape together. You know, we're, we're traveling today, so we'll sit down tomorrow and, and, and go through it and, and talk about Sam and, 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 and really just evaluate that um, and evaluate Jacoby as well. I mean, Jacoby did some really good things too, so we feel really comfortable about the quarterback room right now. Yeah, this one is intriguing. And I know that our colleague Matthew Barry gets up in arms because he's a lifelong Commanders fan and he thinks they should go with Sam Howell and see what he has. And if he doesn't have anything, they're going to be bad enough this year they could draft a replacement next year. But Ron Rivera may be thinking about trying to save his job and he's more likely to save his job with Jacoby Brissett, possibly, that that may be part of the tension that's going on here. I'm a firm believer. Let's see what Sam Howell's got. Yeah, I'm with Let's you. See. It shouldn't be a competition. Let's see what the kid has. They say... Privately, hey, he would have been a first-round pick if he had come out a year earlier. So you got a guy that would have been a first-round pick. He fell around five. You've got him ready to go. See what he can do. Let Eric Bannemi work his magic. And and you'll know by the end of the year whether or not he's the guy. And, and if you figure it out by the end of October, go with Joe, Jacoby Brissett then. Yeah, sure. But give this kid a chance to be your QB1. You believe in him, supposedly. Show that belief by letting him be the guy and see what he can do. And let him let the game slow down, like we talked about with Anthony Richardson earlier this week. Let him become whatever his ceiling is. Let him become somewhat close to that. And then you know whether you got somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got great respect for Jacoby Brissett. But but we know what he is at this point. We do. He's a really high-end, good backup Hey, you know, our starters hurt. He can hold down the fort for three or four games. Okay, that's it. Sam Howell, yeah, there's belief to people you talk to in the organization or around it that, yeah, they think he can be something more than that. Ride that wave. He's got a good natural feel for the game. He played a ton in college football. Uh, we, we saw last year, week 18, it wasn't too big for him. He looked comfortable then. He looked comfortable the other night. In fact, I told you when we were going over this on Monday, Jacoby set through the interception where you go, wait, that that was the rookie mistake. Like, what? What? I can't believe Jacoby Brissett did that. Sam Howell did the things you would think Ron Rivera really wants to see, the defensive coach. Take care of the ball, hit the open guy. His stats were, should have been better than 9 for 12. You know, I'm, I'm with you. You got something there as far as young talent, a new offensive coordinator. Grow that and see what it can be. And in my heart of hearts, Mike, and just from, you know, knowing a little down there, I, I think that's where they're going. You know, I just don't think they've had a, a firm sit down, let's just start to figure out exactly who the guy is type of meeting yet. But they kind of know, I think. I, I don't even think it's really that necessary. And I, and I also think, you know, um, I was going to say something else within that. Well, either way, he's, they want him to keep working. That's the other thing I was going to say. They, they probably don't want to anoint him quite the king yet. They want to make sure, hey, you got the pressure in preseason game number two. Jacoby Brissett's still lingering. They want to see him perform through that and see him continue to push himself. So I, I, can, I can get on board with that for, for a guy in this situation in Sam Howell. But at a certain point, you got to make, you make the move. QB one, QB one, get him ready. Mike Evans said something about that yesterday. I saw Tampa. that. We want to know who the quarterback's right, going to be. Right, right. 
And I think they're very close. I think in the aftermath of the second preseason game, that'll say that's it all. when yeah. you're going you're gonna to announce. Because I think, and, and th- this is a weird existence now with three preseason games because the last preseason game isn't the same as the last preseason game used to be. Remember, the last preseason game used to be empty the bench with all the scrubs and figure out who stays and who goes, and the starters are bubble-wrapped. Now, with three preseason games and that week off, remember there's that dead week now, yeah. uh, Labor Day weekend, nothing goes on in the NFL. They play starters yeah. week three. Right. And that, that will be kind of the dress rehearsal for Baker Mayfield if he wins the job in Tampa, Sam Howell if he's the guy in Washington. But I think at some point after that Monday night game against the Ravens, yeah, that's when Commanders coach Ron Rivera needs to say who our guy is. It's right. time. It's right. time. Everybody needs to know and needs to prepare, including the people who don't play quarterback, the rest of the guys in the locker room, and the fans. Everybody needs to be ready for what's coming week one. Yeah, agreed. And as long as Sam Howell, you know, plays well, doesn't, you know, pee down his leg on Monday night against the Ravens or anything like that, I expect him to be named the starter. If he has a horrible performance... Yeah, then this might be one that, that comes down to the week three preseason game and making sure you're in the trust tree there. So we'll see where it goes. But it goes back to like what we said yesterday. Mike Evans and you know I'm sure some of the receivers on Washington, you start to get to a point where you go, wait, I just want to get in line and, and go with the guy that I know is going to throw to me on Sundays now. It's time to start turning the page. I don't want to you know do a few reps with Baker and then, oh, wait, now Kyle Trask is throwing the ball and it comes in a little different. He wants to start getting honed into, wait, this is how this guy throws. This is what his balls look like when they come in every time. This is the rhythm in which he throws in. This is the kind of signals or body language he gives me, you know, at the line of scrimmage. That's what Mike Evans is talking about. And then to your point, too, that's why that's got to happen sooner rather than later so people can get on the same page that way. We'll see Sam Howell and the rest of the commanders on Monday night. They'll be playing the Ravens. The Ravens won't have cornerback Marlon Humphrey on the field. He suffered a foot injury. He will undergo surgery, and he is expected to miss at least a month. That knocks him out for the first couple of games of the regular season. Let's hear from John Harbaugh, head coach of the Ravens, on his level of concern regarding the Humphrey injury. Two levels of concern. The one level is long-term. There's no long-term concern, and that's good. And then there's a short-term concern. There's plenty of short-term concern, and we've got to look at that, and it starts with the guys you have. Uh, we have guys that are ready to play, and they'll get an opportunity to get out there and, and, uh, and continue to improve and get the reps, and we'll see what they can do. And, of course, we're always looking for players, too. And this is the time of year where players will become available. Guys will start getting cut, although they've changed back to one cut-down date, August 29. That's when the rosters go from 90 to 53. They had been using gradual steps, which would make some players available, but they're the guys at the back end of the roster, and they're at the back end of the roster, and they're cut early for a reason. So there will be opportunities to get some other players, but that's one of the important positions. That's one of the surplus-value positions, corner. There aren't enough good ones to go around. And when you lose a guy like Marlon Humphrey, Chris, you got a problem early in your in your schedule. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, he's, he's awesome. He's shut down corner. You know, he's one of those guys we talk about all the time where it's like put him on an island and go ahead and we can do all these different things. And, of course, you know, hey, they play in a division and then play the Bengals early on in the season. You got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and all that. And where I think this is to me, Mike, like they'll be okay at 
in the secondary. They got two of the best safeties in football, or it's a combo that has the potential to be the best combo in football with, with uh, Kyle Hamilton and Marcus Williams. You know, they got Rocky Asin, right? They got some other guys that have played. They need some guys to maybe prove themselves in the secondary. I don't worry about that, but where you worry about it a little bit with the Ravens too, and a bigger problem and how it all ties together is you'd like their secondary to be at full strength because they're still trying to find an elite pass rush in Baltimore. That's the, that's to me, their biggest issue, right? Who's the guy that scares you that comes off the edge in Baltimore that you go, Ooh, this is their Terrell Suggs, or this is their Matt Judon, or this is their Zadarius Smith. They don't have that. And I think their secondary has helped them to cover a lot of holes the last year or two without that. And, of course, Marlon Humphrey's a big part of that. Not having him, you know, might expose that other area a little bit more, too. That's where I would worry if I'm the Ravens. And taking a look at their regular season schedule, I realized something. We yeah. misspoke yesterday. And misspoke is doing a little work there. Somebody, somebody who was producing the show yesterday put bad information in the sheets when we were talking about the Colts opening their season at Houston. That's week two. Week one is the Texans at the Ravens. So Baltimore gets a little bit of a break week one if they don't have Marlon Humphreys because they have a rookie quarterback coming to town. But then they go to Cincinnati, and will they see Joe Burrow? Will they not? But still, that early season schedule, not exactly a gauntlet. So, especially if Burrow isn't 100%. So, if you're not going to have Marlon Humphrey the first three weeks, you may be okay because you're facing two rookie quarterbacks the first three weeks, and there's still a chance that you're going to see Trevor Simeon week two. Yeah, no, you're right. There's no high-octane offense there, you know, other than the Bengals, and we'll see where it goes. You know, but it, but it stinks for them because, hey, there is no Marcus Peters. He's not there anymore, right? Humphrey is awesome. They had they signed Trayvon Mullen to bolster, you know, their secondary. He's done for the year and got hurt, what was that, last week at the start of training camp, right? So now it puts, hey, Rocky Sin, who they signed in free agency, you know, a, uh, a second-year player in Jalen Omar Davis who has got potential, and I liked him coming out of Alabama, but he has yet to play substantial, consistent time. So they might have to worry you know, rely on some guys that, that haven't proven themselves yet. We'll see where it goes, but they're, they're well coached. We know that Baltimore always seems to find a way and I I expect them to in this one as well. That's the thing about the, the Ravens, whatever the pieces are, right? No excuses. There's just something magical about that uniform and helmet. They get better on defense. They end up being better than we expected them to be on defense. Somebody rises up, somebody steps up. Whether that's an influence of coaching or whatever it may be, there's the depth chart, though. There's the injuries. So they've got issues, and they need guys to get healthy in this Marlon Humphrey thing. We just had video of Marlon Humphrey with uh, the young fan the other day, and it just shows you how quickly an injury can happen, and it derails a guy from being ready for the uh, the start of the season, and we'll see how long Humphrey is out. Surgery, though, on his foot and expected to miss at least a month, and that would likely Knock him out for week one and week two at a minimum. Week three, as I mentioned, is the Colts. So they, they could still get off to a good start. They need to get off to a good start. They're in the thick of things in the AFC, and it's going to be it's going to be a, a fun year. We still keep coming back to the fact that the Chiefs will be there when the dust settles, we think. But it's going to be fun to watch it happen because that's the thing about the Chiefs. I'm going to digress here for a second. The Chiefs have never been dominant. 
You know, this isn't like the 70s where the Steelers were kicking the crap out of everybody and it just wasn't fun to watch anymore. Even if the Chiefs end up winning four of the next five Super Bowls, they're going to do it in a way that is very flashy yeah. and exciting. Right. Frustrating. And, and dramatic. Right. We're going to be and, what? How could they not play like be this? Easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. We're not going to turn off the TV at halftime and say, I'll do something else. This isn't fun anymore. Right. They, they win in a way that really is... Fun to watch. Exactly. You know, you go to a movie. You know every movie you go to is going to have a happy ending. It's just how you get there. And for the Chiefs, they're going to have a happy ending to every season from now through the end of the decade and beyond. But it's still going to be exciting how they get there. And this year with the Ravens, with the Bengals, with the Bills, with all the other great teams, with the Jets, It's if even if the Chiefs win it all, it's going to be a fun movie to watch as it plays out one week at a time. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I mean, one, the rest of the teams in the conference are so good that I can't imagine them just steamrolling anybody. And two, yeah, the Chiefs are, they're, you know, can't miss TV like we talk about. They're, they're, they're fun because... You know, they will fall asleep at the wheel at times where you're going like, are they, are they going to wake up and play on Thursday night against the Raiders here? Are they just going to let the Raiders march up and down the field? It's 17, nothing. And then it becomes the most fun watch in the world because Mahomes goes crazy and he's yelling at Max Crosby and everything like that. Or we see them dominate a game like Denver last year, where they're up. What was that? 27, nothing. And then they just like, ah, this is boring. Mahomes is like, let me fit this one in here. Oh, interception. And all of a sudden, and you look up and you go, damn, they're in a game. So you're right about that. They, they are never lacking drama or a little, uh, you know, boiling of your blood, blood pressure that way. And then the postseason, I mean, every game, they, they're pulling a rabbit out of their butts to try to win some of these games, especially Super Bowls, down double digits in the second half, and they come back and win a pair of them. So it's coming. Three weeks from tonight, we'll be in Kansas City for the Lions at the Chiefs to start the 2023 regular season. Three weeks away christopher i can't believe how close it is wow, and once it wait. starts man i mean it's it is it's a roller coaster you just strap in and go and you get used to it after a while for me it's that first two or three weeks of just kind of settling into the routine but man it gets fun it's exciting and this year is going to be a good one they're all good when you're talking about the nfl but this one feels like it's got the potential you've got so much of the talent and so many of the great teams in one conference And who knows how it's going to shake out in the NFC because there's so many teams that could be good, could get better. And we always know that teams will be better or worse by January than they are in September. And all those AFC teams beating the hell out of each other. And will the team that wins the AFC championship have anything left for the Super Bowl? There's a lot of fun questions to be resolved. And, uh, you know, plenty of teams that are good enough on paper to get to the postseason this year, especially in the AFC, but even in the NFC, because the NFC is so watered down. You know, we talk about, and I know that we're we're we're, we're way off topic, but this is kind of fun to discuss. Yeah, sure. We've we've flagged the Texans as the team in the AFC that we think has no chance to make the playoffs. Right. And I'll, I'll co-sign that with you. You were the one to say it, and I'll agree. Sorry, Texans fans, <laughs> you, but you know, you know, in the NFC, who can you really? Who can you really? cross off at this point i know maybe the cardinals, cardinals maybe. That, that's where i'd probably but start even then yeah but yeah. even then because all because it just feels like the nfc is so down this year it makes every team viable for a playoff berth yeah i i i hear you there you you, you can look down the list and it, it is it's different than the afc where we go whoa amazing team and quarterback and whoa they got some things here 
where you get down to the NFC and you get to the teams that are out of the playoffs, right? And you go, okay, you got Arizona, but hey, the Bears, they were the worst team in football. Whoa, they got potential. They changed their team around. So you don't want to cancel them out, right? Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina, Green Bay. You know, these are all teams. Washington, of course, Detroit. These are the non-playoff teams that we all go, huh? Eh, I see some things about them. Depending on how the early season shakes out and they stay healthy, they could do it there. You know, you know what's crazy? You said Arizona. I'm with you there. The next team I think maybe on the list in the NFC is probably the Rams. That, that's the other team I'd probably look at to go, I, I don't envision that. I can see them being tough and a pain in the butt, but uh, I don't envision seeing playoffs or that conversation happening with the Rams. So uh, th- that's two at least I got there. And, and I agree with you. And here, here's the big reason why. When you consider the fact that neither of those teams is going to win the division, but in order to get themselves in position for five seed, six seed, seven seed, they're the only two teams – that have two powerhouse teams that are going to kick the crap out of them this year, most likely. And you know, in the division, anything can happen. But you got to deal with the Seahawks and the 49ers twice when the teams in the other three divisions don't. I mean, who's the powerhouse in the NFC North? Who's the powerhouse in the NFC South? There isn't some bully that's going to beat the hell out of the other teams no, to the you're point right. where it beats them down in the chase for a wild card. Yeah, birth. you're right. They may. You know, and so we got two bullies in the east and two bullies in the west. Yeah, you're looking at four losses out of the gates if you're the Cardinals and the Rams, most likely four out of the gates. So what can you do with the other 13 games? And uh, but still, I'm not ready to say like we can say with the Texans. There's no chance. There's still a chance for the Cardinals. There's still a chance for the Rams. Yeah, I, 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 I you know, I hear you. They're at the bottom of the list. The Rams, I, I definitely don't want to cancel them out because of the, the culture they have there and the quarterback, and there's still Aaron Donald and all that. But, yeah, I, I, your point's real, but I, I, they're, they're close to being canceled out of the playoff picture, at least for me. <laughs> if they're out of it when week eight rolls around, and – Look, in a 17-game season, the trade deadline, the Tuesday after week eight, it's a little too early. They need to bump it back some. But if they're ready to fold the tents, it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not Aaron Donald gets traded at the deadline. That's one to watch. That's one that I've been thinking about all offseason. Because if it's a losing effort and Aaron Donald is getting closer and closer to the end of the road, why does he want to punch the clock for the final 10 games with a team that's done? Yeah, They may not be done by then. But if they are done by then, that's going to be very interesting to see how Aaron Donald shakes up the balance of power in the AFC because chances are that's where he's going to land because that's where all the great NFC players have gone. Where are they? They're in the other conference. All right, let's take a break. One of the great teams in the NFC is the Eagles. One of their great defensive players, Darius Slay, has some high praise for one of their young offensive players. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. 